Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Are we all ready, ladies? I've got to stop saying ladies. I hate ladies. I still say it all the time. It's Friday. <laughs> You're singing. Always. Feeling chirpy? I've just been to the WBBL, the launch of the WBBL right. this morning. The Women's Big Bash Cricket League, which Mamma Mia is so proudly supporting. We are going to be live streaming every Women's Big Bash Bash League game over summer on Mamma Mia for free. And do you know you can also go and see all the games for free? I know. So women's sport is often free to get people in, right? And then one day. And interestingly, um, women's cricket or cricket is one of the only sports where there is gender parity. The women are paid the same as the men. Isn't that good? Get Wait. along. Tom- on, actually, tomorrow on Saturday, we're taking over the WBBL for the day. We're Mama all going, Mia. aren't we? Mighty yep. Girls. Actually, it's the I- Mamma Mia Mighty Girls Day, except for Holly, who's <laughs> got to spend the day rearranging an elf on the shelf. <laughs> I do have Christmas commitments with the family. <laughs> but yes. I will see you there. If you're coming, I will see you there. Hello and welcome to the Friday edition of Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's your twice-weekly podcast that has been described as stimulating, funny and serious all at once. I'm Holly Wainwright. (laughs) Thoughtful fact about me today, I have 260 unread text messages on my phone and it freaks people out. But I tell people all the time because this particularly freaks out our producer, Eliza. She sees my phone and she goes, ah! But as I explained to her, that's just, you know, the ones you don't have to answer, like the ones where your partner's just going, okay, babe, kiss. Or, you know, or Telstra's saying, you've got this much data left. I don't need to open those. I don't know how you don't. Having the little notification sitting on your phone is like torture. I have 12. I don't care. Oh, I don't like that. (laughs) Um, And as always, I am joined by Mia Friedman, who likes to move desks every day if she can. I do. I've got two desks going at the moment. I've got a standing up one and a sitting down one. A different parts of the office. And hot desking would be your dream, whereas for many yep. people it's their nightmare. Look, I've never hot desked before, but I just need to change my physical environment quite often. I find that stimulating. Other people find it traumatic. Do you move your furniture around at home a lot too? No. Oh, so no, it's just the office. <laughs> You're just yeah, like, no, Jace is in charge of the furniture at home. I don't really have much of a say over that. <laughs> There was a great Toblerone on Mia's desk yesterday. It was giant. I had three pieces while Mia was went home. After she went home, I ate the Toblerone. Did you notice when you got back in this morning? Because it was a giant Toblerone, it's like you have one piece and it's like a block of chocolate. <laughs> I didn't have dinner because yeah. I had so much Toblerone. <laughs> I'm glad I could help out. There you go, Jessie Stevens. Thoughtful fact, she had chocolate for dinner yesterday. Yeah. Today. 
Would you ever take your pet to get a Christmas photo with Santa? It's the new trend that people are doing and we don't know if it's cute or just a bit crazy. Plus, President Trump has acknowledged that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel and everybody's losing their minds. What does it mean and why is it a big deal? But first, in case you missed it, Time Magazine's Person of the Year, which feels like it becomes a bigger and bigger deal every year... Yesterday, on Thursday morning, it was revealed that its person of the year was not one person, but it was many people. We can't all be sluts. We can't all be asking for it. I am here to give you permission to be angry. This reality might not have to be our reality anymore. I felt this crushing sense of powerlessness. This is the time to take my power back. Here's my story. Uber promiscuation to sexual harassment. Clues cutting its ties with Bill O'Reilly. I felt it was my duty for the women who were silenced to be brave. Have worked at the plaza. It's okay to stand up for yourself. Taylor Swift appearing in court today. Harvey Weinstein, the New People forget a lot that there's a human behind this. Someone who was very hurt and wrong. never thought things could change for me. It was called The Silence Breakers and it, it featured women, some who, of whom are celebrities that you'd be familiar with, like Ashley Judd and Taylor Swift, and some who you wouldn't so much as Uber engineer Susan Fowler, lobbyist Adama Iwu and Isabel Pasquale, which is a pseudonym for a Mexican worker who was harassed by her boss. The thing that all these women have in common is they were instrumental in starting the Me Too movement. The Weinstein tsunami, the revolution, the reckoning. The person that I wasn't expecting to be on that cover and I had to look twice was in fact Taylor Swift. And then I remembered that she took a guy to court, a, a guy, a fan, a radio, a radio DJ. DJ who was posing with her and grabbed her bum in a photo. And that sort of went a little bit under the radar and I hadn't linked it to the whole Me Too women standing up and saying this is not acceptable. But she deserves her place she on that does. cover. She does. And the thing that's interesting is that when that happened, and this is partly just because people love to hate on Taylor Swift, mm. is she actually got a bit of grief for that and a bit of like, oh, look at you grandstanding. And it's so interesting because it's only about four months ago. And yeah. now already the culture has changed to the point where we're like, well, that was like the beginning. It, it was, was part of the beginning. So Time Magazine is celebrating the women the silence breakers and there is also a random elbow on that cover which is something that an art director or editor would never do by mistake it's a very deliberate move that elbow is to represent the anonymous women who still feel they can't come forward jesse did you love that cover i loved that cover so much i think i mean time the time person of the year has historically overwhelmingly been a man I think you could count on one hand how many women have um, have been on that cover. To, so to have this about not only women but the women who have outed a lot of men who have been on the cover of Time, I yeah. thought that was really exciting. <laughs> it's true. However, the runner-up being President Donald Trump kind of undermines the entire thing. No. But he wasn't the runner-up. and He was the runner-up. It doesn't matter. The thing there is, is, is no runner-up. Everybody yeah. gets this oh. mixed up. <laughs> no, everybody gets this mixed up. Everybody thinks that the Time Magazine Person of the Year is a celebration, and it's not. It's about influence. It's about influence, and there is no way that you could argue against the idea that President Donald Trump was one of the has been one of the people who has sh shaped the culture, the news cycle, everything about 2017. It doesn't mean they like him. I know. It doesn't mean they're going woo Donald Trump. It means they're saying this is the age we're living in right now. These are the cultural markers 
markers that define it. You can't argue against Donald I'm Trump. I'm not arguing with time. I'm saying that that's scary because they're right. Uh. He is the second most influential. But if these two mm. forces are competing, mm. then we maybe are not as victorious as it seems. But, but I think one caused the other. Yes. You know, we talk about the pendulum swinging and we talk about that on um, our Trump podcast this week. Tell me it's going to be okay. The pendulum of last year, we wouldn't have had Me Too if it hadn't been for Trump. Absolutely. We really wouldn't because there is this visceral anger and fury and rage that's been unleashed in women. I think after the fact that Donald Trump was elected, um, that I don't think would have been there had Hillary Trump, Hillary Trump, <laughs> Hillary Clinton been elected. Absolutely. I think it's an awakening. And, and a, and a, a reckoning. A, a, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting. <laughs> Some people are having a bit of a whinge about Taylor Swift being on there, about the people who weren't on there. Stop Rose, it. Rose McGowan isn't on the cover, although she's inside and they're saying, why not? Which, again, is just like picking holes, picking holes. Let's just celebrate that we are in a moment like this. I actually thought that they would just do the hashtag Me Too and put the hashtag Me Too on the cover. Um, because if they were going to choose individuals, there was always going to be derailment of the discussion about who is and who isn't there. Um, but can I highly, highly recommend, I know it's too early for recommendations, but I'm going to throw this in. Um, the New York Times dropped the second or the third or fourth of their massive Harvey Weinstein exposés yesterday. And it was... Um, an incredible piece of journalism. There were seven reporters that worked on it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it is all about how many people were complicit in covering up for Harvey Weinstein. There were agents, there were politicians, there were so many people that knew. And so many of these women said they told their managers, their agents, their publicists. And again and again, he was allowed to get away with it and get away with it and get away with it. And it also talks about how he would pay off journalists and all these different people. It's an extraordinary piece of journalism. I encourage everybody to read it. And it's available online? Yes, in the New York Times. Fantastic. On to something slightly less weighty, but just as fascinating. Why are people taking their dogs and cats to get their pictures taken for Christmas with Santa? So it's the season to take your kids along to the local shopping centre and line up for ages so that your kid can sit on Santa's knee and cry. But now, increasingly, people are taking their dogs and their cats. We've had people in our office who do that, at least two who've taken their dogs or cats, paid lots of money, and now pet stores are jumping on the trend and organising Santas to come to them specifically so they can do that. This can cost you up to $60 to take your dog or cat to get your Santa picture. (laughs) Now, I know we're all dog lovers here, but am I crazy that this is a complete waste of money? Jesse, The money goes to charity. Cheer up, Grinch. <laughs> oh, it does not go to it charity. It does go Some to charity. Does. Some of it does. It goes to the RSPCA it or something. Not. It depends where you're doing it. If you're going along to because a lot of shopping centres will have a pet session before the kids' session. <laughs> I don't think that they're necessarily donating to charity. Come on. But I know a lot of the pet store ones and stuff are saying that they're doing that, which is great. But still, it like... How is it any more of a waste of money than taking your kid? who doesn't want to be there, who's going to cry, who is probably, if they could talk, would say, it's problematic, you making me sit on the lap of some strange old man with a costume on and a fake beard. How is that any less a waste of money? 
one day you will show those photos of your child screaming on Santa's lap to a, you know, tween, teen, grown up person and it becomes part of the family folklore. Do you think if you show a picture of your dog, a picture of them as a puppy, go, look when you went to see Santa and he but bought you all those good presents. He doesn't know what he's doing. I think they would enjoy that and they <laughs> would like having been included and just because they're dogs doesn't mean they don't love Christmas. Well, that I, pr- is- I prefer dogs than kids, to be honest. I'm going to be grinchy and say I'm fine with the dogs because for some people they're dogs are their children and it's like it's Christmas and they send it to their friends and it goes on Instagram because what's the point if that's what everyone's doing it for is so they can share on social but at least dogs and cats are accustomed to be handling handled by strangers I'm finding it a little bit problematic to see people posting pictures and saying isn't it hilarious how my child was put on Santa's knee and is screaming now that is a pretty sensible reaction I don't want to sit on the strange man old man's knee like, it's just a bit wrong and weird. Do you think we're going to move past it? I do. Do you think that soon it'll be like three feet between Santa and the toddler, please? Or stand please? next to Santa. Yes. But, you know, I just think it's all, I think things have changed and I, I don't look at it, I'm not saying Santa's, in, you know, that Santa's a... Oh, man. I'm not saying that, that the, all the Santas are dodgy. I'm not saying that for a second. But in the same way that I don't make my children hug and kiss strangers or even family members, I never say, go and kiss this one, go and hug that one. I used to when they were much younger before I kind of thought about it and thought... Before you got woke. Before I got woke. (laughs) Dogs doing human things is one of life's greatest joys. (laughs) And I think we can... Isn't it humiliating for the dog? No. They love it. They love it. And I will be buying my dog a present on Christmas Day, as I hope you will be, Mia. Because they're going to sit there. They deserve to open something with the rest of us. They don't care about that. They yes, just want to chew something. Exactly. A wrapped up Neither thing. do most small children <laughs> play screaming on Santa's lap. That's true. And we will make... Mamma Mia out loud! Great again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Today, we were talking a little bit about Donald Trump earlier on, and we don't always talk about Trump on this show because we actually have a whole podcast for that. (laughs) Because you made me create a whole different (laughs) podcast for that. Called Tell Me It's Going to Be Okay, where Mia Friedman talks to um, the amazing Amelia Lester in America about all things Trump. And there are so many Trump-obsessed, I was going to say nutters. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I didn't mean nutters. I meant, you know, engaged people who go and talk in your your Facebook group and who listen to that show. But we are going to talk about Trump today because I've been freaking out these last two days and I need a bit of help from Mia to explain it. So Donald Trump has caused, he causes a storm every time he tweets, but this storm is actually about something very significant that he has done. He has kept a promise that he always made during his campaign that he was going to, the United States was going to recognise Jerusalem as the capital of Israel instead of Tel Aviv. And the symbolic way they're going to do that is by moving the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, the international community are freaking out about this and saying that this could derail the Middle East peace process, that this has been something that lots of presidents have been under pressure to do, but they've always backed away from doing it because of the fear of repercussions from the Arab world. I am cutting up the kids' sandwiches in the kitchen this morning going, oh, my God, oh, my God, if it's not North Korea, it's going to be this. Mia, why is this a big deal? And I know that it's terrible that I'm asking you because you're Jewish. Yeah, but I'm Jewish and I know Trump, so I think I I feel like you are the expert to speak on this. Well, it's all relative. I'm the expert among the three of us. (laughs) That's true. Middle East expert, Mia Friedman. (laughs) Please explain. So let me just explain the Middle East in 140 characters. (laughs) Good good work. Now, please forgive me in advance if I get this a little bit wrong, but I'm going to go very top line. This is very, very, very bad. 
And the first thing I should say is just because you are Jewish, that doesn't mean you necessarily agree with everything that Israel does. Because there's Israel the country, then there's Israel the government, and then there's Judaism. So Israel is, weirdly I know, quite a secular country. Not everyone that lives in Israel is particularly Jewish necessarily. I mean, of course, there are Orthodox Jews, but there are a lot of people who live there who completely disagree with the government, especially this government under Benjamin Netanyahu, who is very right wing. Okay, so basically, this is a very bad idea (laughs) because Tel Aviv is where all the embassies are, because in amongst many of the things that are being argued by the Palestinians and by Israel is the capital. And Jerusalem is very sacred for both sides. It's very sacred for, for Israelis and it's very sacred for Palestinians. So by saying that it should be the capital, everyone's kind of um avoided that issue by having their embassies in Tel Aviv. By moving your embassy to Jerusalem... You're taking sides. That's what you're doing, You're taking right? sides. So he, he's basically Correct. taking an exact side in where he, in where America should stand on the yeah. Middle Eastern peace process, which is with the Prime Minister of Israel who came yes. out immediately and said, this is marvellous. Oh, yes. my God, we are, Israel is going to be eternally grateful to Donald Trump for doing this. And not anyone else in the world has agreed with this. Julie Bishop has spoken out against it. Um, Theresa May has spoken against it. Macron's spoken out against it. The European Union's spoken out against it. Of course, you know, all the, the countries apart from Israel in the Middle East have spoken out against it. And they've talked about having three days of rage and fire. And it's one of these things that is a poke in the eye to any attempt at a peace process. Hey, I'm just going to interrupt myself and clarify a couple of things because the whole Middle East thing and Jerusalem is incredibly complicated. And I knew that I'd get a couple of basic things wrong and it's too important to get wrong. So first of all, the capital of Israel is officially Jerusalem. And in most other countries, all the embassies of foreign countries and the, you know, the parliament and everything happens in the nation's capital. And the parliament is in Jerusalem, but all the embassies are in Tel Aviv. Um, So that's over 150 different countries are actually in Tel Aviv because Jerusalem is seen as having it's a city divided there's east jerusalem and west jerusalem and um part of the city is considered very much a home and a sacred land to palestinians and their dream in the hopefully future two-state solution um is that jerusalem will be their capital the capital of palestine and so that's why the un and all the other countries have kind of tried to stay out of it by saying we're going to keep our embassies in Tel Aviv because we understand that Jerusalem is of incredibly um, important religious significance to both sides and because we don't want to pick a side we're going to keep our embassies in Tel Aviv which is unequivocally part of Israel. So by Trump saying we're moving our embassy to Jerusalem it's saying we're picking sides And that's seen as potentially hugely dangerous. And that's why um, a lot of Palestinian organisations, including the terrorist organisation Hamas, have called for days of rage in response to this. Okay, back to me. So for decades, America has been very careful, as has as have many other countries, to be trying to be impartial and neutral and try to help the two sides come together in a peace process. By doing this unilaterally they have just gone 
poked the whole process in the eye. Now, the fact that Jared Kushner was placed in charge of peace in the Middle East. Who's, who's Trump's son-in-law. Who's Trump's son-in-law, married to Ivanka. He's um, like 35, 34 years old or something like that. He's got no experience in anything except being the son of a disgraced, jailed real estate magnate in New York. So, you know, he's kind of one and the same as, as Ivanka in terms of having dodgy property developer fathers. That's his own experience. So it was widely seen as, as a joke when he was put in charge of the Middle East process. This has basically demolished that whole process. Why is it – my question is why was this one of Trump's promises? Why is it so important to him? Because there are people who are hardline Zionists, hardline backers of Israel who are not about the two-state solution, who are very much about uh, – Jerusalem should be the capital, screw everybody, this is what we want. So bizarrely, the Christian right and the far right um, are very, very pro-Israel, which is funny when you think about anti-Semitism because a lot of them are also anti-Semitic. But the only thing they dislike more than Jewish people are Muslim people. So it's... It's an absolute mess, and I hope I haven't made it seem messier, but it's a very, very bad, stupid, wrong idea by Donald Trump. So Trump has injected himself into a 60-year-long conflict between two countries, Mm -hmm. which sort of US, like the United States, started, or the UN, after World War II, right? And so hasn't he angered the most volatile countries... Yes, potentially in the entire world. So should I be afraid while I'm cutting up my sandwiches? Yes, always, because (laughs) that's just my default. But I would be not visiting Israel right now. I would not be going anywhere near the Middle East right now. Um, I have family in Israel that, you know, we check in with. And they probably will be distributing gas masks again now in Israel, which they do not infrequently. My cousin lives there with her family. She's got two children who are physically disabled and a daughter. um, And they are routinely, everyone's got a bomb shelter and everybody has, they have, you know, drills with, with gas masks. I was also imagining all the diplomats who work at the American embassy in Tel Aviv being like, well, great. (laughs) Because they've had to heighten the security at, American embassies around the world because they know the repercussions for this are going to be enormous. So if that's your day job to turn up there every day, you're like, oh, and it's going to take time. Obviously, they're going to build this big new embassy in Jerusalem. But they'll be like, you have just put us in the possibly the most dangerous place in the world. Absolutely. And in typical Trump style, the only thing he can he's concerned about in his statement, he said, lots of people have promised this and then in their campaigns and not followed through. I'm following through. He's like... Give me the points. I want the points. I'm a legend. That's all he cares about. Now, the reason that they haven't followed through is that it's an easy thing to promise when you're on the campaign trail and then you get into government and everyone comes and tells you, hang on, really bad idea. And you go, oh, it's more complicated than I thought. All right. Maybe that's not one of the campaign promises we'll fulfill. <laughs> Thank you, Mia. I feel like I know a little bit more, but I'm still afraid. Mama Mia out loud. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au.
are not strong. We've got a group therapy question from Alicia who emailed us at outloud at mamamia.com.au as you can do anytime you would like, not just with group therapy, but with any feedback. We're very good at feedback here, aren't we? Mm. We're very good at feedback. You can tell us what you think we're doing right or wrong. It helps us grow. It does as people. We like it to be prefaced with just a little bit of feedback and also (laughs) sandwiched with like, you're doing this well, however. And as we discussed on Wednesday, we're all flowers who need a lot of watering. Exactly. Just pour the water on first and then get the shovel ready with the big thing of poo. That's the way to do it. (laughs) Can I just tell you a very quick side note about our discussion earlier this week um, in the last episode about whether you're a flower or a gardener? I was listening to the podcast this morning while I was getting ready and um, about the flower and the gardener. And then the segment came on where I say, come back to the homepage. I actually made my husband listen to it and I went, look what I did. (laughs) Isn't this good? It's in all our podcasts now. Come back to the homepage. Fish, fish, he said. (laughs) Please water the flower. (laughs) Okay. So if like Alicia, you want to email us, you know what to do. Alicia says this. She says that she owns a small business and she sells her products at a local community market. One of her very first and good-ish customers makes her feel a little bit uncomfortable. She says both her mother-in-law and fiancé say they see how he is with her and it's unsettling. But she brushes it off and tries not to think twice about it. Alicia says he's never done anything physically to me, but he overstays his welcome at my stall. He'll stand there and look me up and down and he won't leave. When it's finished. Yesterday I was packing up my stall and he walked over and was doing the normal chit chat and then normally someone would leave if the conversation had clearly finished but he stayed and watched me as I packed up my products for what felt like a lifetime but was probably five or ten minutes. I feel so uncomfortable but I don't know what to say. I'm 24. I had a similar situation when I was 16 but I had my mum there then to tell them to bugger off. Am I too nice? What should I say? I'd be quite happy to lose his business but how do I deal with it? He's a regular market goer and this is a regional town, so I don't want there to be like talk about this or me. What should I do? <gasps> Alicia. Mm. This is a, like a lot of women would relate to this. When, the, when people are a little bit creepy with you, but they're not creepy enough that you could call them out for being inappropriate or report them to somebody or but you just know that their presence makes you uncomfortable. Mm. Do you guys have any good tricks for this? I think listening to your... Um, gut instinct is always good you as a woman you just always have to be in tune with how your body feels because sometimes your body will react in a way more honest and and more timely than your brain who will try to rationalize and go oh I'm probably overreacting and your body will just go nah this doesn't feel right and it's funny I'm teaching this to my daughter at the moment and my son but particularly my daughter about um because she started catching public transport and we've talked about when you have to move if there's someone sitting next to you on a bus or if you know how you might feel if there are certain times when you feel anxious when do you get off the bus when do you tell someone um And it's always about tapping into that internal sense. I think she needs – she mentioned having a boyfriend. Mm. I think she needs to make sure he's there, particularly at the end when she's packing up. And he needs to just make his presence really felt. Mm. And in physical ways, like turning his back on the guy. And also don't be afraid to be a bit rude. Don't be afraid to just not – Kick the conversation along. That can be really tricky to do, though, yep, right? Because can. a women were all socialised to be polite, but also when you know, if you confronted this guy, he would definitely say, "Well, I'm not. Do- what do you mean? I'm just being friendly. I'm not doing anything." You know, it's it's not like he's t- 
touched her or something. Jessie, what would your advice be? I think women in general need to be more rude. I think rudeness is advisable. I used to work in a video shop and we had a guy come in and I think he was probably harmless, but he used to come and he loved speaking to us and he would stand at the side and talk and talk and talk and sometimes you just felt a little bit, those instincts kicked Mm. in and you went, oh, my co-worker's about to leave, I'm going to be in this video shop alone with this guy, what Mm. do I do? And what we would, we were really purposeful in saying something like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to put my head down again and just cut the conversation off, don't engage. Or say something like, oh, again, like being rude and being assertive in terms of, I think it's probably time you go, we're shutting up. And even saying something that direct Mm. might work. Because also if you do that and you put it out there and he doesn't go then you've got something quite concrete. You know what I mean? Like Because I think you're absolutely right, Mia, about our instincts. We know when somebody's creepy. But again, when it's that borderline behaviour, whereas if you say to them, can you go now? I've got to, I'm busy. I've got to do this. I've got to pack up my, my car for Alicia here. You know, it might be good if you, if you left and he doesn't, then you've got an immediate... I think got, we should also acknowledge that there are some people... Um, particularly men who aren't good at necessarily reading signals. Mm. So when we can default to polite and I'll just keep it nice because that's another thing, fight fight or flight or just, you know, keep the peace. You don't want to have a confrontation. Most of us are hardwired to avoid that confrontation because we know that we're physically vulnerable. So you can sort of just be throwing him the odd bone to just be nice and not embarrass him. He might think, he might misinterpret that as you enjoying having him around. Mm. So I think Jesse's right. At a certain point, you do have to be quite rude. I don't think you necessarily have to say, hey, mate, rack off. And it's very difficult when someone's a customer um, and particularly if it's not your shop or not your business that you're working in, you co- you're not allowed to be rude to customers. But at the same time, it, it, you have to be able to draw boundaries. And sometimes just being a little bit abrupt can be the way that someone goes, oh, she's not interested in me. And mm. this is how I rationalise it too, is she's so terrified of making him uncomfortable. Yeah, He's making her uncomfortable all the time. So she's copying that and going, oh, I'd, I'd hate to make him feel embarrassed. Well, she's also worried though that he, because it's a small town, that it might be like, oh, that's rude, you know, mm. and then he might there might be repercussions. I guess that's one of the things she worries about too. I think women, as they get older, get better and better at this. I know my mum is really good at it. Directness without, it doesn't come across as being rude necessarily because she doesn't mince her words. She's just very able to be like, okay, this interaction is finished now. It's like the classic thing of when you're, and this was more when I was younger, of course, but you'd be in a pub with a girlfriend and the, and the guy comes and sits there and it's like, eh, and I just want to have a chat. And I just am really good at just being like, go away. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. true. You get better at it yeah. as you get older, don't you? I'm just like, no, not interested. Go away. Whereas when I was younger, you'd kind of be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the weather. Huh? And then, you know. Oh, and then you've wasted yeah. your entire night out with exactly. some guy you didn't want to speak to. So, Alicia, boyfriend, enlist him. Don't be afraid to be rude. Trust your instincts. That's what mm-hmm. we're saying. Out louders, I am sure that you have lots and lots of experience of this too please come and talk to us come and talk to us on our facebook page email us call the pod phone we want to share the love on group therapy and make sure we're all supporting each other we've got your back i want a script i want someone to send us exactly what they think she should yes. say if anybody has a line got, if anybody has got the perfect lines as jesse says that would be amazing 
Okay, it's Friday. We are allowed to recommend things. Jessie, what are you recommending this week? Earlier this week, I decided to go and get a skin check to get all my moles checked. Goodness. Sorry. I need to do that. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, I suddenly, I don't want to interrupt Jessie, but I was, as soon as she said it, I was like, oh my God, I need to do that too. And then she's like, what are you doing <laughs> flapping over there like a bird? I was like, am I not allowed to recommend it? I really need to do that too, so tell me everything. Okay, so I went just to my local GP and I called them and said, this is what I want to do. I'm quite fair and I'm very freckly. I've always had, my nan called them sun kisses, but that's a nice word for them. I've got moles. I'm covered in hundreds of moles and I need to get them checked. And I'm terrified. I look at moles all the time and I sit in a constant state of like, chances are one of my moles is cancerous and I'm living with it. So I decided to go. My sister pointed out one and went, that just doesn't look good. That didn't look like that six months ago. So I went and got them all checked and he got his little magnifier thing out, checked everything, legs, stomach, one on my head, everything. Did you have to stand there in the nude? Underwear, underwear. And I just went and he, he checked everything. And I feel such relief were to you all walk good? out. I was all good. There were two that he said he recommended, and I think this is good advice for anyone, take a photo of them on your phone, and if in three to six months oh, they look great. a little bit different, then come back. That's great. And interestingly, they weren't my big moles. I have big moles everywhere. These were tiny freckles. Mm. And what it was that... Th- they had like little darker brown specks in them mm. and it just made him feel a little bit... Mm. Or uneven edges. I exactly. So... Just the idea that someone, an expert, can look you up and down and go, you're right for now. He said with my skin type I should probably be getting checked about once a year Mm. and I just feel so good. And my dad actually, because my dad's exactly the same, I have been for the last five years booking him in for appointments. I call and say, my dad's coming in on this day. Dad, go and get your skin checked. I need to do that too because I was in a meeting with um, head of podcast Rachel Corbett the other day and I found myself looking at my leg, licking my finger and rubbing at this brown (laughs) mark and I went, is that coffee or a skin cancer? (laughs) Corbett was like, oh my God, get yourself to the doctor's. Get yourself now. <laughs> Mia, what are you recommending this week? I'm recommending the most lowbrow, addictive thing you could ever imagine. Ooh. So with all the Trump news and the news cycle, there is a website that is pretty well known. It's been written about in Vanity Fair and the Daily Beast just recently. It's called Crazy Days and Nights or CDAN for short. And it's um, basically a gossip site of blind items, but they're very detailed. And it's run by an entertainment lawyer who is anonymous um, and his identity has been verified by several other entertainment lawyers in his field who there are about 20 people who know who it really is and um, journalists have have confirmed his identity but nobody's revealed it and the story in the Daily Beast just this week which made me feel justified for my intense addiction is that he has been writing about Weinstein, um, Matt Lauer, Donald Trump, all of these people for years before these things became public as blind items and the other thing that's very interesting is that it's never been sued. So I just, my crack every night to just wind down is to just look, and there are like five blind items a day and they're very detailed. What kind of stuff, like what's an example of something you've read recently? This foreign-born still one-hit wonder got dinner but got turned down by the guy she was meeting when she quoted a rate for an after-dinner performance. 
Ooh. And then you read the comments and everyone says, who is that? It's really <laughs> Oh, that sounds amazing. Dear Friedman, this is terrible. But it's terrible, terrible, terrible. terrible. It's terrible. This former A-minus list reality star is making his celebrity offspring girlfriend give lap dances to their bodyguard and other prospective clients of the A-minus lister. Oh, my God. It's like a riddle, but it's like a dirty Yeah, I know, riddle. I know. It's, look, it's terrible. I'm not proud of myself, I but it's it. what I'm recommending. <laughs> I'm recommending a movie, and it's not new. If Laura Brodnick, who is the host of The Binge, our pop culture podcast, was here, she would slap me upside the head because we covered this a lot on Mamma Mia at the time it came out. But as, as, a, busy, as a busy working mother... TM, trademark. I very rarely get to the movies. So this movie came out earlier this year, but it's just dropped on iTunes. Everything It's called The Big Sick. Oh, oh, I wanted to see that. It's so so, So good. It's just dropped on iTunes and everything, and it got rave reviews when it came out, and it's in lots of the best movies of the year lists, which prompted me to go, oh, it's finally on iTunes. I'm going to watch it on Saturday night with Brent. It was so good. So good. Like, So The Big Sick, it's about this couple, um, Kumal and Emily, in New York. Oh, they're not in New York, actually. I think they're in Chicago. And Kumal is... um, uh, American of Pakistani origin and Emily's an Anglo kind of hipster chick and he's a wannabe stand-up comedian who also drives an Uber. Basically, his family are very traditional Pakistani Muslims. They're always trying to fix him up. Every time he goes there for dinner, there's, the doorbell always rings and there's some gorgeous girl coming in who's like, oh, I've just dropped by. It's very funny. It's great. And then he falls in love with Emily, the Anglo girl. And then, plot twist, which is obviously in the title, so I'm not giving anything away, Emily gets really sick. And it basically follows this little journey. It's it's like a rom-com, but it's not cheesy. It's very smart. It says a lot about all kinds of things, about family, about culture, about the immigrant experience, about not having the fairy tale, you know, that everything ties up with a bow at the end. It's got Holly Hunter as the as Emily's mum oh, who turns up I in the hospital it. when Emily is sick and Ray Romano as her dad. And they're like these kind of lefty liberal stereotypes. It's so good, so funny, feel good but smart. I love it, love, love, love it. It's based it. on a true story, isn't yes. it? Yes. So Kamal Nijani, who is the star, he also co-wrote it. It's the, basically the story of him and his wife. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. They were in Australia yeah. doing, so or they've they, been doing a world publicity yeah. tour together. So really his good. wife doesn't play Emily, but his wife is the real life Emily. And at the end of the movie, they show you the real life Emily and Kamal. And it's just really, really good. You'd think that that gives away the ending, but actually it kind of doesn't because it's just one of those rom-coms that's smart and doesn't follow the the saccharine script is great so I recommend it to everybody who has got iTunes or any of those places where you get your modern movies even the old fashioned video store or those dispensers go there watch the big sick it'll make your weekend it'll make you feel better about all the awfulness in the world Mm. that's all we've got time for today we're going to be back on Wednesday if you're going to do a little bit of homework for us this week and homework doesn't sound fun so let's make it more fun than that a favour a favour for your favourite show Jump on iTunes and give us a review. It's been a while since we've had some reviews in there. We've already established that we're flowers who need watering. So (laughs) come along to iTunes, give us a review, leave us some stars. Also this week, why not stalk us all on Instagram? We're all there. I'm there documenting my Elf on the Shelf horrors, which just go on and on and on. This morning I'm Mother of the Year because... So many listeners sent me handy hints and I took one up and late last night I was tipping flour, like as in baking flour, into a plastic container to sit the elves in so it looks like they're in a snowstorm. 
<laughs> this is getting worse, this Holly. This is getting out of hand. So, I'm documenting this stuff on Elf on my Instagram, which is just Holly Wainwright on Instagram. You can follow me. You know where to find Mia, who's yeah. all about the lady startups. I'm also curating our lady startup Instagram, so come follow uh, us on lady startups on Instagram or also my page. I'll make sure I'm posting dogs doing human things. Yes, That's please my, do. Um, my forte, <laughs> I would say. Holly, I'm just waiting for you to say, come to me, go, look, I really need to take the rest of December off <laughs> to just concentrate on Elf on the Shelf. She's got two jobs. She's working two full-time jobs. It's, it's, it's very demanding, Mira. I might need stress leave, That's so true. I'm just warning you before I go to HR. Okay, this show was produced today by Eliza Ratliff. The head of podcasts is Rachel Corbett. The head of content of On Mirror is me. We want to see you again on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Lies, did we end up? I never, I never ever uncover my arms on in on TV ever. Really? Never. I'm always amazed at anyone that does. Do you know who's got amazing arms? Meghan Markle. Yeah, Carrie Carrie and Meghan Markle have amazing arms. It's Debrito. (laughs) Katie Katie B's got guns, man. You know what? She works bloody hard on those arms, and I wouldn't be prepared to work that hard. No, No. I am also. As you get older, they age before the rest of you. Well, in fact, my they advice droop. to you is show those freaking arms off because when you said that yesterday, I was looking at your arms. Your arms are great. No, You've got great I arms. hate my arms. I hate my arms. It's crazy. Hate your arms when you're an old person. I think person. They're, they're problematic. I hate your arms. There's plenty of time for that. I go, like, literally, when I go shopping now, I only look for things that have sleeves, and that's very limiting, especially in summer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.